Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I just woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podcast, Stitcher, pretty much everywhere. So give us a five-star review, rate us. Tell us what you like, dislike sometimes. We'll talk about that later on the podcast. I'm your host, Kamiam Robin, joined by Jack Shields. Jack, how's your week going so far? It's pretty good, man. Just got back from Chicago. It's, uh, yeah, been pretty chill so far. How was how Chicago? Kamiar, have you ever heard of Malort? What is Malort? See, no one warned me about Malort either. It's, um... Sounds like something somebody would say down south about the Lord. Gonna go <laughs> praise Malort. But uh, it's like a liqueur that I guess is unique to Chicago. I I, I think it's piss-flavored liqueur, <laughs> I suspect. But um, when it goes, it, like, it's like a rite of passage when you, I guess, come to Chicago. Or whatever. It's not my first time in Chicago, but it's my first mm-hmm. time trying Malort. A friend gave it to me. He's not, not much of a friend for giving it to me, though. Right. But anyway... You take a shot, and it goes down, and it's really not that bad when it goes down, but then like five seconds later, oh no! it just, it's like, oh god, what is this? This is the worst <laughs> thing I've ever tasted, and it's not something you can put your finger on. Like, I, I don't know how to describe the taste adequately. It tastes like Flint water. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it looked like Flint water, but like, um, yeah. Like three beers later, after that, you still taste it in your mouth. Oh, it's so so. Is settle in your stomach? It it wasn't that bad on the stomach. Okay. I don't know, but it's it's dreadful. So that's how your don't week's ever, been so far. Well, this was like this was Thursday. Okay, not bad. So that was last week. last week. This week's cool, but like, uh, yeah, Chicago's great. I like if you're. Between the months of like May and September, there's not a better city to be in in America than Chicago. It's the windy city, man. Was it windy? No, oh. it was not. It was no, good. it was like it was like eighty and calm. It was cool. Oh, so not like a hundred and two and humid as hell. It's been rough around here lately. Rough is rough is an understatement. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And we got rain today, so this is yeah. Tuesday. Oh, so I left my game, really I left my windows down last night, and then of course I go to some meetings because my my past week and this week and next week are just full of meetings, and uh, you know I'm just you know getting up, going to get some coffee, walk outside of my house to my car, and it's raining. I'm like, oh, that's great, man. The temperature's going to be a little cooler today, and my car windows are down. Not all the way, but just enough to get my seat wet. Woof. It's a rough start to the morning, but it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's okay, you know? It's Tuesday. Not I ideal. I had to look at my watch to tell me that it was Tuesday because I'm losing track of time, but it, everything's good. But hey, we've got some stuff talking about offensive camp, specifically about the offense. Some more stuff on the defense because there's not a lot of headlines about the offense other than okay who's the quarterback going to be you honestly we as people will not know who the starting quarterback will be at oklahoma till about officially a, till about a week and a half out that's typically when lincoln riley has named starting quarterbacks at oklahoma until anyways. he names jalen hurts and then at east carolina he named i think shane carden the starter like the day before the game but at oklahoma with bake and kyler he named them nine and ten days before the first game so a week and a half out is typically what you want to do so we've got some offense stuff and that's really like what the that's really what the question mark is on offense people the offensive line talk isn't sexy so people don't really talk about it they just acknowledge oh that's kind of might be an issue we don't know the the sexiest lines are hey the defense sucks and it's been bad for a while let's focus on that and not that that's wrong but there's just a lot of news out of camp that people are more interested in. So we've got some defense. We've got a – we were joined by Alex Kirshner from uh, Banner Society, and that's going to be pretty awesome. And uh, we got some Twitter questions and a lot of stuff planned. So let's dive on into it. Of course, the first thing on the list, quarterbacks. It continues after a scrimmage and a live team because, like, you could say it was a scrimmage, but they weren't keeping score. It was just like a live team practice where they were going offense, defense, but not actually keeping score. It's becoming more and more increasingly uh, affirmative and uh, pretty much confirming what everybody knows is that Spencer Rattler is really fucking good. He's, he's good. He is as advertised. He can spin it. He can sling it. He's got a live arm. However... Dude's still a freshman. Makes some freshman mistakes. Uh, Jalen Hurts still the best quarterback, then the most consistent quarterback, I would say. And then Tanner Mordecai, he's he's there, and he's showing you what he's got, but it doesn't compare to what a Jalen Hurts has or a Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler has all the flashy plays that make you go, wow. Jalen Hurts has all the fundamental plays that make an offense work. That's kind of where we're at as far as the quarterback season, quarterback battle season, S-C-S-Z-N. Plus, you know, Jalen Hurts obviously has the stuff that isn't really going to show in practice, all of the power running element and all that. Power running, intangibles uh, during big moments in games, that's important. And But, man, we talked about this before the podcast, before we start recording. It would not surprise me, let's say Jalen Hurts gets dinged up in a big game, or some sort of game, and he's out for maybe two games, maybe two ga- maybe one game in the middle of the season. You might see Spencer Rattler the rest of the way. Rattler's the guy who comes in over Mordecai, I mean, obviously. It would make sense. Now, I think they're going... Now, I think as far as order, you know, against, uh, you know, let's say South Dakota State when all three of the quarterbacks mm-hmm. get playing time, you mm-hmm. would probably see Hurts first, obviously. Yep. Then you would see Mordecai second you in that would. instance, and then you'd see Spencer Rattler. But if something were to 
truly happen to Jalen Hurts for more than like a few plays, mm-hmm. that would be Rattler. And, you, and these three quarterbacks, they're very aware of how each other are doing because, I mean, you Jalen Hurts is learning a new system. Spencer Rattler is the quarterback heir apparent. And Tanner Mordecai is kind of, I and mean, it sucks to say that, but he's a, he's a spot filler, but he's also a decent quarterback. And these guys are all aware of what they're doing in practice and what throws they're making, what throws they cannot make. And you, as a Tanner Mordecai, man, life's got to suck. Like, really, like you're being strung along. You're being I mean, strung along, and you're you are technically speaking battling for second place on the depth chart. But you know Jalen Hurts is going to start, and you can clearly tell that. Spencer Rattler is a much better athlete and quarterback than you are, and he's a true freshman. I mean, what, what what's in his mind right now? Like, they're saying it's a quarterback battle to stay competitive, but what does that really even do for him? I mean, he's about to be a great quarterback at another school. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. But he's probably going to be at Oklahoma this season. He might be at Oklahoma this season. It might be at North Carolina. And Oklahoma needs him this season. Definitely. They need the quarterback depth, so it's understandable why – a lot of this is happening. So. And it's it's in, it's intriguing, and I'm just saying, Spencer Rattler continues to impress coaches. He also continues to make freshman mistakes, and that's something that people are not talking about. I mean, different news outlets, different outlets that you might hear from other things, they'll be like, oh, man, Spencer Rattler's great. He is good. He's very good. He's a five-star quarterback. He was the number one quarterback in the class. That's what you expect. Jalen Hurts? Oh, can he make all the throws? We don't know. Can Spitzer rather beat him out? Jalen Hurts is going to be as fundamental as you want him to be. He's a coach's son. He knows what to do. He News out of camp, word out of camp suggests Jalen is still trying to break the habit of scrambling too early in a Lincoln-Riley offense. He, he is not the type right now to maybe sit in the pocket for much longer uh, than a, as a Baker Mayfield did, or even as a Kyler Murray did. He likes to use those legs. Not that anybody's complaining because he's very athletic and dynamic and massive. But, I mean, in a Lincoln Riley offense, you're going to want to go through all your reads before you actually start taking off. But Spencer Rattler is good, but people aren't talking about the mistakes he's, make, he's making as a freshman. I mean, throwing in the double coverage isn't smart. And as far as Hertz is concerned, what you mentioned, that's probably something he's going to have to learn in games. He's going to mm-hmm. have to learn those lessons firsthand. Mm-hmm. I don't know if practice is what's going to necessarily cure that. But offensive line-wise, it seems like it's more solved than most would think at this point. Man, it's coming together. It, it, it's, so the guy in the middle, the anchor, that's what's most important here, first of all. The anchor is Creed Humphrey. And having him in the room... And I think R.J. Proctor called him a like a mini beat and bow or something like that. He basically called him like beat and bow number two. He knows everything. He's a very intelligent guy, as we saw in media days. Very articulate, very understanding, uh, very well spoken, and he's a freaking monster. So having him in the middle makes the offensive line a much easier project than if they were replacing everybody, but like maybe the right tackle, right? So, you've got him and Adrian Ely really buckling down their spots. So, you have the center and right tackle. And honestly, you might even say Creed Humphrey, Adrian Ely at right tackle, and Marquise Hayes buckling at left guard. And Marquise Hayes is a road grader. That guy is going to bulldoze 
in any sort of run blocking scheme that they want him to, when it's zone, pulling whatsoever, he's going to kill. So now you're left with two spots. Now, out of if you would have told me going to spring game, Eric Swenson's going to start a left tackle, and then he's going to be starting at left tackle in summer, and he's going to be left tackle number one in fall camp, I probably would have laughed at you. I probably would have been like, dude, get get that shit out of here. See, I assume I assumed that was like a temporary situation back in the spring. I assumed that eventually Bray Walker would take one of those two. Yeah, I assumed spots. that. Or or I assumed what many other people assume is Bobby Evans was coming back. And he was coming back. And then he he what he was going he pro. <laughs> he was going pro. Then he was coming back. And then he went pro. And then of course worked out well for him. And so Eric Swenson looks like Right now, of course, you're 19 days out of game day. Looks like he's going to be your starting left tackle, which means you have one spot open at guard. Is that going to be Tyrese Robinson, who they really like, who has taken snaps at center um, with EJ Doma Ogar, who they're going to be battling next year for center, and uh, RJ Proctor from Virginia. Very versatile. Very versatile. He's played pretty much every spot on the line, and that's what Beatembo wants. Realistically, if someone gets hurt in this offensive line, is he the first replacement for any of the five positions, wouldn't you think? Proctor? Yeah. Um, or most of them, at least. I would say most of them. I mean, if, 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 if a creed goes down, you plug Tyrese at center, and you probably put Proctor at guard. But Proctor could play center, theoretically. Proctor could play, but... I, Tyrese took so many snaps at center this 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 summer and spring that I would say it's safe that he would go to center. But at, then, like you said, Proctor would fill in at guard. You feel pretty comfortable with Proctor playing guard and even the tackles, but I don't think he worked at much at center, if my mind serves me right. But the offensive line, Creed Humphrey said it a couple days ago, oh, they're coming together. They feel good about where they're at. And honestly, at a camp, with these guys really solidifying their spots, I can see why. It just, it's not the amount of talent. They have a lot of talent, and Beatembo has shown a definite track record of success dating back to, you know, way before Oklahoma with offensive linemen. And he's never had this much talent. So now it's a matter of getting this talent on the same page, getting them all to work together and gel, and having that center in the room with Creed Humphrey, who is as articulate and intelligent as he is massive, is huge. That anchor is a big part. That's why, you know, offensive lines with Gabe Eichard, they were great. Um, so, I mean, offensive line, honestly, not that big of a deal. Not too concerning for me. I feel confident going into the Houston game about the offensive line. Will there be hiccups here and there? Yes. If there were last year, then there definitely will be this year. But, but they could have them all worked out. Do I feel confident in what they have? Yeah, I mean, and you, you, sh- you just showed me a tweet about Eric Swenson, right? About Lincoln Riley? Yep, let's read this right here. This is from uh, Joey Helmer of OU Insider. Quoting Lincoln Riley today regarding Eric Swenson. He wasn't good enough to play in Michigan's offense. But I guess he's good enough to play in Oklahoma's. Wink, wink. Straight flames from Lincoln. Muy caliente. Like, Eric, and for those that don't know much about Eric Swenson, guy spells his name with a K, first of all. That's weird. But kudos to his parents. Yeah, there's also uh, the Eric who runs uh, Roll Bama Roll, our Alabama side. He's an Eric, too, with a K. Mm, interesting. I think it's a Nordic thing. Interesting. I think it is, too. It makes sense. Yep. Swenson, yeah. Sounds Nordic. Yeah, Swenson. Um, but... He was four-star guy, four-star guy, 
committed to Michigan, and at the last second they pull a scholarship. Not good enough for Mr. Khakis. Not good enough for Harbaugh. And they're pleated. He's not wearing flat fronts. This is not 1985. This guy, Harbaugh, remember this story? He slept, he had sleepovers with his recruits? Yeah. That's weird, man. Yeah, of course. Do you think he's a type of coach that like would bring a sleeping bag and like sleep in his tidy whities in his sleeping bag? <laughs> no, he probably wears his khakis in the sleeping bag. He, feel, he looks like the type of guy that would stare at you while you're sleeping. Like that's the, yeah, deeply into with your his face. glasses on. Yeah. yeah, I think that's correct. Harbaugh's a weird. That's guy, an accurate man. assessment. And and when I was talking to Demetric, and he basically was said. If Harbaugh cannot beat Ohio State this year, get that guy out of Michigan. Like this is the year, right? So I mean, Eric Swenson, the guy, I I was shocked heading into spring. I said there's no way he's gonna be your left tackle because you've got a Bray Walker, who in some sites was a five star kid. You got an Adrian Ely, massive guy, really talented. And, and then Proctor, who could theoretically play Proctor, tackle, if need yeah. Be. And it looks like Swenson. That's it's interesting to me, but some more offensive news. People to people want to talk about maybe the three stars you have in offense, and those guys would be C.D. Lamb. You've got a Grant Calcaterra who could be really good, and you've got a Trey Sermon or Jalen Hurts. You've got very dynamic playmakers there, right? Out of camp, word is two more guys that are forces to be reckoned with that are. That could star this year as freshmen. You got Austin Stogner, 6'7 tight end, right? And you've also got Trajan Bridges, who is who was the least highly touted of the five star wide you know, I say least highly touted of the five star wide receivers. Still a five star He's a five star wide receiver. And it seems like this has been in the making for quite some time. In the spring, he was getting so much buzz. With Trajan Bridges, I would say I'm not surprised. With Austin Stogner? Stogner, a little bit. I'm a little bit surprised. Not so much in his ability, but I mean, the fact that at that to me, it's wi- at that Y receiver position, yeah. you already have Calcaterra and you already mm-hmm. have Lee Morris. But mm-hmm. then again, Stogner's a little bit different than different both breed. of those guys. So yeah, he's actually you can a, use him in different situations. He's valuable in the red zone. He's a power forward playing a tight end, six foot seven. He's going to be six foot eight and a half by the time he leaves OU. He's going to be six foot eight in cleats. Man, you just throw jump balls up to that guy in the back of the end zone. It's a touchdown. I mean, how many six foot six safeties do you know that are going to cover this guy? Zero. How many six foot five linebackers are going to be able to run with this guy? Maybe someone at Bama. I not many. Someone at Bama I don't not know Not many is the answer. And by the time he's a junior, maybe none. Uh, Monster. Can you imagine this offense? Holy. Can you imagine this offense running in a shotgun where you've got two tight end sets with a Stogner and Calcaterra. You've got a CeeDee Lamb, a Rambo on opposing sides. You've got a Hertz and a take your pick of Sermon and, Sermon and Brooks and some sort of read option, whatever the hell you want to do. That's filthy. And then you tinker around with a little bit. You oh. throw a little Braden oh. Willis in there. Maybe yeah. some two back sets with both Sermon and uh, Kennedy Brooks. And obviously, Marcus Major's kind of blowing yeah. up a little oh, bit, Marcus too. Ma- Marcus, well, let me tell you about Marcus Major. 405, baby. Yeah, Marcus Major, Millwood product. This kid, word, he's, he's going to get playing time. He is going to get his four games. He's smooth. He's picking up the playbook. He's good. Uh, 
fin- tough finisher. Body's all there. Mind is there. Uh, he's going to be a good one for Oklahoma when a Trey Sermon leaves and a Kenny Brooks leaves. They are excited about him in the program. And, I mean, it just it's continuing that trend of great Oklahoma running backs. He's going to be so good. And, man, you know, the, Austin Stogner at 6'7", six 6'8", six when he puts on more weight on his frame, he can put on about another 30 pounds maybe. I mean, he's at, like, what, 235 right now? Yeah. He's got some room. And he's got some room, but it, it depends on what kind of tight end he wants to be in the NFL because he's going to go to the NFL. Oh, of course. You could play him at an unbalanced offensive line and make him look like a tackle, and you could do so many tinkerings with him. It's, it, I don't know, it's just, it's crazy. It's it's going to be fun. So Stogner and Bridges. Bridges does not surprise me, though. No, like, I mean, that's all. been the buzz for a long time, and partially it's because you can use him in the slot if need be, and Oklahoma may or may not need someone like that in the slot. You never know. Who is going to start the slot? Who would you think? <sighs> to me, the slot would be that's a man, that's a good question i i would honestly put it at trajan bridges it wouldn't surprise me if it was bridges because you've got rambo on the outside you've got cd lamb on the outside you've got you're gonna probably play a grant calcaterra you're gonna play a grant calcaterra on the inside as a kind of an H whatever slot. And then, I mean, you got the other guy, Trajan Bridges, and he's he can play inside or outside. It really depends. Would it's, you say Weeze is that versatile as well? I mean, Weeze obviously is at 6'3", so obviously you'd prefer to have him on the outside, but he's a good enough route runner to play inside if need be, in certain situations at least. Man, and that's that. this is where, this is where we talk about, about them being incredibly deep at offensive on the offensive playmaker. Would you list. say of those three freshman wide receivers, he's probably the odd man out for 2019, just for 2019? Weiss, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Jaden Hazelwood. Jaden Hazelwood's been a little banged up. Um, Apparently asserting himself lately, though. But really good. Trajan Bridges is so versatile, so fast, so cerebral. Theo Weiss can be the odd man out, but, man, he's so talented. Still so damn good. So talented. And that's a good problem to have at Oklahoma. And that's the nature of the game on offense. Now, you want to talk about defense. Grinch and Riley, they come out. Of course, we saw images and everything of Trey Norwood and crutches. He's he's out for the year with another leg injury. They didn't specify Lincoln Riley with the new they're not it's not new, but you know, the privacy acts and stuff like that. You can't really disclose too much information publicly. Um, but with a leg injury that may be an ACL, he's out for the year. They mentioned how much of a big blow he is to the defense, not because he had ingrained himself so deeply into a cornerback spot or a nickelback spot. Or versatility a was a big part of it. Versatility. He's played in several big games. He's played in several positions, but part of me says that all oh, that's true. Big games, several positions, but he never was able to master one position. I mean, if you can pl- if you can do a lot of things well, that's good, but you're not doing one thing great. And that's something that's that's an issue in this Oklahoma defense. You don't want to have a ton of moving parts to me anyways. I mean, you can you can say I'm wrong and I I think that's fair, but 
they recognize and acknowledge him as a blow to the defense, but I don't necessarily think so because he wasn't very physical. And you're going to need this. Although he had put defense. on some weight, he did, he? he did put on some weight. He was up to like 184. Still um, not where you need to be for ish, right? Yeah. And some a name that's coming on lately. Of course, we're still early. Jordan Parker, uh, a guy that was a cornerback, saw some success during that 2016 season as a f- true freshman. Got hurt. Went to safety. Wasn't for him. And moves back to corner and. He is the guy that has seen basically like really the light has come on and he's ready to go and he's working his tail off. And of course, Trey Brown, this guy's bigger. This guy's faster. He said he says he's faster and he says the slowest time he's run so far is a four three eight. Like Wow. That's that's that's, yeah. that's some that's that's some blazing speed. And he he's 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 not necessarily a massive dude, but if the slowest time you're running is a four three eight, and if you're putting on true. muscle, if that's true, that's just that's good news for everybody, you know. So I mean, Nord after the year, Jordan Parker coming on. They mentioned uh, Jeremiah Cradell and then Chance Sylvie working at nickel along with Buki, and people. What do you think about this? People say Buki needs to be playing cornerback and not nickel corner in Alex Grinch's defense. I mean, mm-hmm. he doesn't really fit that mold, does he? Without shoes, he's like 5 foot 8. Yeah, not exactly. So, nickel where you can kind of hover around and do a yeah. lot of different things, cover the slot a little bit. Yeah, and that, that's and that's the thing is who that would, would you, suit him a lot better? Who would you want better suited? Would you want a Brendan Radley Hiles who had a bad first year playing safety at a position Nickel, he he fits the nickel in the Oklahoma defense. And he still has free range. He still has free range to roam a little bit. He still has a lot of option in his game to where he can cover, uh, you know, blitz from the strong side, whatever, blitz from the other side of the field, from the short side of the field. He has a lot of options available to him. Or do you want maybe a Justin Broyles or a Parnell Motley or Chance Sylvie in there that maybe – They've had some injury histories, not just from Burles, but H and Sylvie has. And or Buki is I mean, he he seems like he's matured. He seems like he's gotten that high school mentality out of him. He looks like he's ready to go. News word out of camp is he's he's showing out. I mean, if all of that word is true, then go for it. Yeah. Obviously. But I mean Sylvie is a guy that I've always kind of liked. He's got pretty decent size. I think he'd be decent at the nickel, but I mean I I would I'd love to see Buki get that shot at the nickel though. I yeah. mean, you'd love to see him realize his potential. He's going to be he good. He was a legit five-star guy a year ago. I mean, and he, just played in a defense that didn't really suit his style very much and obviously he had his hiccups. He was horrible with tackling. Mm-hmm. Horrible basically horrible at everything. Mm-hmm. Horrible in coverage. I mean, granted we were fooled a year ago on the hype. Yeah, and how much, was, Every, how much was that his fault? I mean, besides no, like the see, tackling. No, obviously not all his fault, but like, uh, obviously there were some issues there. But anyway, I think we're all kind of rooting for him, aren't we? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's just like... Everyone wants him to be a superstar, obviously. And he wants to be a superstar, and he's he just seemingly has matured, and his game has been upped, and he's ready for a season to prove himself and prove everybody else wrong. And, I mean... 
talking about Alex Grinch, they like what Buki's been doing. Roy Manning, he's like what he likes. He oh man, Roy Manning loves what Buki's been doing and what Trey Brown has been doing. And you don't hear Parnell Motley's name a lot, but you're gonna hear some CB twos because Parnell Motley, even though we're everybody is slotting him in as CB two right now, there's a lot of time between now and game one. And Dana Holgerson's gonna throw on Oklahoma. And Oklahoma probably will win by three touchdowns, but you know what? Houston's going to get those 20-plus points. So it'll be interesting to see. Alex Grinch, apparently not happy with competition at safety. I think he I think he mentioned Patrick Fields as established as a safety because Patrick Fields knows where to be. He's a safe choice, and he, very due diligence. Guy's a smart, savvy football player, another Oklahoman from Tulsa. And then you have a Delarian Turner Yell, DZY. He he's not as established, but he is getting the majority of reps at the for the ones, so you can tell already who your back two are gonna be. And that takes me back to Robert Barnes. Five star guy at South Lake Carroll. Of course he's had an injury history. <sighs> like what do what do you do here? Like you have like what what do you do for Robert Barnes? You've played several snaps. And a DTY, this guy, he was a three-star. Three-star, but always sort of looked like a diamond in the rough, wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah. he was one of the guys who excited me the most from that 2018 class, Fields, just because of how physical he was. Pat Fields is a three-star, too. Yep. And, and so, if you're, you're Robert Barnes. You're a legacy, by the way. You're a legacy. Your dad is a serious... His dad was a dude. You're a serious dude. Five-star guy. Comes into Oklahoma with so much hype. And I always, I was always kind of aback from him because of the way he was maybe immobile. He was had a, little, a horrible injury as a senior, yeah, in high school, in, South Lake Carroll. And that's what made that's what made me have some pause to my to my you know evaluation of his of his athleticism. He just looks stiff, and those injuries are not going to make you look any more fluid. And so Robert Barnes is getting some run with the ones. It's true, but it looks like Patrick Fields and DTY are going to be your safeties. Game one. If they're most prepared, I'm cool with that, obviously. But, I mean, it's you would think that Cradell would usurp one of those titles by the end of the year, wouldn't you think? I don't know if Just gonna, based on the upside. I don't know if Cradell will usurp, but I definitely know Cradell will play a lot. He's, he's not redshirting. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. And, I mean... I think he'll usurp one of those positions, but... Jalen Redmond has been in shells, which is shorts, helmet, pads. They're moving him slowly. He's been go in practice. Of course, you're going to keep an eye on him, but signs are pointing to him progressing and playing in this Oklahoma defense officially, and not just in spots, and not just like a game at a time, and stuff like that. That's 100% good news, of obviously. I mean, you have to imagine this defense. If the defensive line is flashing, if the linebackers are as good as people want them to be, and you have reliable safeties, a Trey Brown, a Buki, and then whoever Grinch decides to throw their cornerback to, you could have a formidable defense. And I'm not saying a defense that's going to go from 129th and pass to like top 50, but I'm saying a defense that somebody will have to respect. 
I think that's fair to say. Yeah, of course. I mean, no one's expecting it to be a top 20 defense. Not in the Big 12, and it doesn't need to be that good for an Oklahoma to uh, make the college football playoff. So, I think anywhere in the top 50, S&P plus-wise. I know Bill Connolly isn't with SB Nation anymore, but we're going to keep citing yeah. S&P plus just because it's a great formula. But And so... Alex Grinch kind of he kind of crushed Mike Stoops regarding the defensive line. He mentioned that, he he hasn't been pulling any punches oh, over the past eight months at all, and that's what people appreciate about it. Of I course, mean, he's honest about it. He's honest about it, and that's what the and the players appreciate it too. He's he, people can smell fake from a mile away. It's true, and he basically looked at the defensive line and said, "Hey, they're going to be able to make some plays," and essentially said. They're going to be in a gap. They're going to really test their athleticism. They're going to go man to man, and he kind of he kind of smirked at it and made a little comment about the way they're playing is going to be better than ramming your bodies into offensive linemen all game. As a slight to the two gap scheme Mike was running beforehand, it's so, not very effective. So the defense can actually go out and make a play and always look for a play. How much of, would you hate playing defensive line? Over the past three years in the Oklahoma defense, you... I mean, look at the recruits. Of course. <laughs> right? I mean, you're there's only three of you rushing, and you're going right at the blockers, mm-hmm. trying to eat up blocks. How fun does that sound? Or... Not very. It's third and 12, and we're going to rush three of you, and we're just going to just hang you out to dry with five lots of offensive linemen and just hope your linebackers can cover in space. You would think that they would figure out after so long that that was an ineffective tactic. No, it's Mike Stoops. But they kept going back to that well time and time again. It's true. It. I'm so... Let's not take for granted <laughs> that there was a regime change. Mm-hmm. That someone new is calling the shots there. Let's be excited. I'm excited. Are you excited? Cautiously optimistic, obviously, yes, yes. but at least you have hope for the future, which... Yep, yep. You know, let's be honest, going into last season, how much hope did you have that things would truly improve for the defense? Going into this... Last season. Last season. Into 2018. <sighs> after the Rose Bowl and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. After the Orange Bowl? Mm-hmm. Or the, after the Rose Bowl in 2017, uh, okay, I'm, talking about. I'm, I'm talking about going into last season, going into 2018. Oh, man. There were, there's when so, Mike Stoops was coming back. There, oh, when okay. So I'll do two parts. There was so much going into that because I was under the impression, and many other people in the know were under the impression, that there was a certain day that we jokingly called D-Day for Mike Stoops after that Rose Bowl. And the donors were done. Everybody was done. Unfortunately, Rose Bowl was so late in the season. The coaching carousel had already taken place. A lot of coaches were already stand stead put. Alex Grinch was in Columbus. He was in Columbus. He was a name on the radar. He was actually the number one, number one name on the radar. And he had already gone to Columbus. And um, But you still held out hope, you know? Like, well, maybe it is D-Day and let's figure something out on the fly. And as you come to realize as a blue blood, that's not what Oklahoma does. You're not going to fly by the seat of your pants. You'll say, okay, we'll 
try to run it back and see what happens, make some minor tweaks, make some more adjustments, and understand that next year is it for Mike. So the first half, but leading up to what we thought was D-Day, I was like, oh, man, I'm so excited to see Mike Stoops gone. I don't even care who they bring in. Once you find out Mike Stoops is coming back, you kind of like go into this like shell of trauma. You're like, oh, my gosh, there's no way. There's no way. After that Rose Bowl game, there's there's no excuse. And then fast forward to after the Orange Bowl, and you think 2015, 2017, 2018, three of the probably the best offenses in college football history, not just Oklahoma history, college football history, possibly wasted, not possibly, wasted because of awful defensive play. And... I read, I don't know where I read this one, but I read that the players respect Grinch. He is the alpha male, but he cares about the players. They respect him. He gets them hyped, and he's a personable guy that will not just, he'll cuss you out, but he'll also take you under his wing and teach you a little bit. Really committed to that Speed D brand, too. You saw the video from yesterday where they broke the huddle Mm -hmm. yelling, Speed D! Yeah, and Roy Manning's been harping on that. And uh, and Alex Grinch run defense. Uh, they they are inspired by it, and it's just they're they're flying to the ball. They're buying into the system. It's exciting, and you got to think they will improve. And a, a story that came out the other day was, or I don't know if it was a quote. I'm I'm blanking on it right now, but. They're just very excited. He's down in Norman. He's someone that they want to play for. And in the previous regime, under Mike Stoops, there would be calls that they would want to you know, plug in on defense. And the players would chime, chirp, chirp back of their defensive coaches. And it was, it's not a, that's not a good environment. Not healthy, is it? Not a good environment. Because you, you don't see that on the offense. Uh, and the players would chirp back on the defensive coaches, like a call from coming from, up, from upstairs from Mike, and uh, not a good environment to play in. And uh, this is like this is the call, and the players just stick to their abilities because the simpler defense they can make a little more off, they can make a little more of the plays given to them because they have more freedom to roam. But we were joined by Alex Kirshner today of. Uh, Banner, what is the Banner, Banner Society? Society? And he does a great job. And we, he was joined us on the podcast, and he had some great things to say. And um, we'll bring that to you guys after a break from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, guys. Today we are joined by Alex Kirshner from Banner Society. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Alan. Hey, Alex. thank you, Matt. I said it's your name was Alan, too. but it's actually Alex. Sorry about I mean, that. It's all it's all close enough. It happens. What's, it happens. I mean, Get them mixed yeah, up with Alan. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a it's a Tuesday, you know. But Alex, hey, tell us a little bit about Banner Society 
and really how it differs from SB Nation's previous cultural coverage. Yeah, thanks for for having me on and asking me about Banner Society. Excited to talk about it. Uh, you know, the team is uh, a lot of the same folks who maybe you became familiar with with SBNation.com's national college football coverage over the last you know better part of a decade. Um, I'd say the primary differences are in a few things. Number one, um, I think the type of thing that we are going to make, whether that's in writing or podcasting. Um, is going to be much more geared now um, toward uh, being what we call in you know in our newsroom, but we call it being evergreen. Um, try to tell a lot of stories that we think are timeless. That uh, we think if you like college football, um, this story will be valuable to you forever, and it's not just going to be something where uh, we're focusing on you know what's going to happen this week in this mm-hmm. game because. Um, that space is already pretty pretty busy right. uh, with a lot of people doing really good work, um, and we'll still still do some of that, um, you know, in different podcasts and in uh, conference calls and on Reddit and on Twitter and uh, in a newsletter that we have. Um, but the stuff that lives on BannerSociety.com, dot uh, which is launching pretty soon uh, on the twenty first of August, uh, will kind of skew towards just being stuff that we hope um, has a pretty infinite shelf life. Um, and just generally, college football is a real weird sport. Um, I don't say that just to sound silly or anything, but it's a sport that... It's um, objectively true. It's objectively yep. very weird. And um, sometimes when you're trying to cover uh, college football and appeal to college football fans, uh, we found, because that's, you know, we consider ourselves fans of the sport very much so, um, that, you know, between like the NBA and the NFL um baseball to an extent I'd, I'd say soccer and hockey to some extent that they're a little bit different um fans kind of speak similar languages in terms of um the way that those sports are covered and uh what's interesting about them you know with the way that uh the sports are set up and and the way that nba free agency and nfl free agency you know you can kind of cover them with a similar mindset um college football recruiting is real bizarre um and has just an entirely different kind of uh, vibe around it and an entirely different and uh, way less fair, I would say, economic system to it. Um, And that's just one example of how college football is a sport that is sometimes hard to cover in the same way um, that you would cover other sports. And uh, for the sake of covering it in a way that embraces all that's different about it, um, for better and for worse, um, we think that we're going to be really well positioned to do that at Banner Society. Um, So... Maybe I should get that down to a more concise, uh, more clear elevator pitch, but that's what we're going for. No, I mean, that was legitimate, yeah. I mean, that definitely has me excited for Banner Society. I mean, and that's sort of SB Nation's brand as well. I mean, be a little bit goofy, but informative at the same time. I'm really looking forward to that kind of thing. But anyway, speaking of publications, Sports Illustrated, they come out with all these lists yesterday, obviously... They get a lot of engagement on Twitter and elsewhere. It's been kind of blowing up for whatever reason. Anyway, SI listed the Sooner Schooner as the number one tradition in college football, which is hilarious. And I mean, I know it's subjective, but that's untrue. In reality, what is truly the best tradition in college football, at least in your eyes? You know, I'm a Maryland grad, so I would say that the best tradition in college football is uh, 
you know, looking at your phone uh, for several hours after you lost to Syracuse or Boston. Not to Texas, though. Um, not to Texas because we don't do that in Maryland. We don't lose to Texas. Uh, and uh, Must you know, be nice. trying to rationalize how you can still make the Continental Tire Bowl or whatever. Um, that to me is the greatest college football tradition. Uh, among what you know, what normies would consider college football traditions, I've always liked how Clemson fans run on the, run on the field uh, after every win. That's kind of um, cool, yeah. And and maybe the best tradition is people acting like Clemson fans are like rushing the field because they think it's special, like that. You know, they're like, oh, these guys just beat NC State and they're running on the field. Um, anytime that people on Twitter don't realize that they do that every game. Um, I would add that as kind of an addendum tradition that is one of my favorites in college football. Man, it's a good tradition. And, like, talking about Maryland tradition in general, I mean, now they just have a ton of uniforms. And what's your favorite uniform combination? You know, I've always been a fan of the ones that they wore. And this was actually the year before I went to school there. This was in, like, 2011. Uh, the ones that, that they wore against Miami in that season opener that got a lot of attention because they had the state flag mm-hmm. uh, on either side of the helmet and on the shoulders. They actually put out a uniform today um, that I love, which is a throwback to what they wore uh, in the 80s with back when they would spell out Terps and kind of a softer, more cursive script mm-hmm. um, that had been in style, kind of the way that Pitt used to do it and has recently gone back to doing it. Um I like that a lot. Um, so probably those two, kind of their throwback script and the state flag. But they've, they've also made a lot of missteps uh, trying to do like black ops yeah. and reach out and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it, you've got a good state flag and I think trying to lean into that, hey, great. But, uh, you know, it, you can kind of get lost if you if you try to do too much. It's the – it's 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 – what Under Armour is all about. They test the boundaries, whether it's good or bad. They just roll with the punches. And sometimes I don't what, what is what is a terrapin? Is it just like a regular turtle? What is that thing? It's, it's a specific type of turtle uh, that is, uh, I believe, if not native to, is extremely prevalent um, in the watershed near the DMV and, and I think going out. Okay. So it's regionally appropriate. Okay. It's, it's regionally appropriate. Why don't, um, why don't they have Ninja turtle like uniforms? That would be but, a good one. I don't know. I mean, I think if they really wanted to lean into the state thing, they could do, you know, have them dress up like craps. Um, <laughs> there you go. I don't, uh, but you know, the, the Terrapin is, it's regional to an extent, but I, I'm down in Georgia every so often for work and, you know, they have terrapin beer down there. And oh, yeah, like, it's lovely. Yeah. I'm a big fan so of terrapin it's, it's recreation. Not, it's good stuff. Right. So it's not like a, a strict – it's not like – I don't think that we right. have like a monopoly on terrapins as a, <laughs> as a um, So it's fine. It is what it is. Well, speaking of the terrapins and their fall football schedule, are things going to be a, a little bit easier maybe for their – for the team that – Or tougher now that Texas or is no maybe longer Maybe tougher, on yeah, now that – Texas is no longer on the non-con. You know, we're going to miss being able to start the year with with a win. Um, (laughs) That's that's tough um, because it's been nice to kind of be able to mark that off. And I will say that Texas gave Maryland more of a fight last year, and and that was scrappy on Texas's part um, to kind of show a lot going to a team like Maryland and um, being able to stay within one possession at that time. Um, 
yeah, I think I think it's tricky anytime you're in the Big Ten East, though. Um, like I think Maryland could be pretty good this year, um, and I'm flattered that you would ask about them, even though I don't know how many people care outside of uh, College Park and DC and Baltimore. But, um, you know, I, I kind of mark down until further notice losses to Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State, uh, and Ohio State, obviously, um, every year, um, unless something drastic changes. So. Until further notice, you kind of have to assume uh, that you have four losses in your own division and you're just trying to win against Indiana and Rutgers. And against Indiana especially, that's no guarantee. Mm. Um, so if they can get to 6-6, six and six, that would be great. But but the schedule's tricky. Yeah. And without Texas, it's even harder. So back to Banner Society, what kind of cool stuff do you all have coming down the pipe uh, on the website? And is there anything uh, fans should be looking for? Yeah, I think a lot of fun stuff. Um, one of the things that I actually wrote about that um, pertains to Oklahoma that I think is interesting is I tried to do an accounting, and this will be coming uh, in the first week or two, I think, when we actually launch a website later this month, um, about how every great dynasty in the history of college football, um, from FBS to FCS to Division Two to Division III, um, what eventually happened that led to that dynasty ending. Um, and I actually asked Jack about it. That is correct. This is coming back to me. me. He provided uh, a really, really good book reference that shed a little bit more light on this to me, um, was about what happened with the Bud Wilkinson Mm -hmm. OU dynasty. Um, and it's one of the most interesting cases because there was never, you know, obviously it's, it's some of the most dominant teams in the history of the sport. And then there are a few more after he leaves. Um, but there's not one clean answer. Uh, in every case to figuring out like why was this team that was so dominant for so long um, suddenly just good or, or even you know for a few years they're with a U, why are they mediocre um, and I, I learned some stuff that I had no idea about you know Bud Wilkinson um, being a really close friend of JFK um, you know and while JFK is in office he appoints Bud Wilkinson to uh, kind of a national fitness board um, and there's one theory that Bud spends a lot of time focusing on that and kind of loses a bit of verve um, with recruiting and with coaching. Uh, there's one theory that he wins so much that he's going to these coach of the year clinics every year um, that are on a key visit weekend and he stops getting good recruits because he's not on campus to host these kids. Um, there's some more general theories that um, actually, actually one of my favorites is the story of the year that they went to Northwestern uh, and they lost a game to Northwestern the day after a bunch of a team got food poisoning. And Bud Wilkinson, an OU's physician, uh, thought that there was a possible mafia-involved plot uh, to, you know, you know, deny them uh, a chance to beat Northwestern, and that, and that that kind of set a season off on the wrong foot, and they never recovered. Um, so OU, the Bud Wilkinson OU years are just really fascinating to me. Um, and I'm, you know, I write in some detail about that on Better Society. So that was probably more than you bargained for with that question. But um, I, 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 I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, that's that sounds like it, it's that's really interesting. Yeah. So um, yeah, OU OU's got a, a really interesting football history to me. I mean, even by the standards of other great programs that have won a lot, you know, just a lot to to talk about with OU. Well, we certainly appreciate that. Carmier, you got something? Oh yeah. So one more question before we head on to some rapid fire questions for you. Just in the overall nature of college football heading into the 2019 season, who are some of your college football contenders and maybe even some pretenders that shouldn't be highly ranked as they are? 
Uh, well, I'll start with Oklahoma because I'm on Oklahoma podcast, and I think that until further notice, you have to uh, figure that OU is a favorite in the Big 12. I, I know that there's uh, quite a bit gone on offense, but I think the defense should be better. And I think if the defense rises by as much as the offense goes down, then that's a playoff contender again. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that I'm going to be very exciting here, but Alabama, Clemson, mm-hmm. uh, I think that Ohio State, you know, they've missed out a few years in a row. I think that uh, they are probably in a position where they can get back this year, um, which kind of raises the point about, I don't know that I would use the word pretender, but uh, a lot of folks seem to think that this is the year that Michigan beats Ohio State. I just have no idea how you could possibly be confident in that. Uh until well after it's actually happened. Um, so, you know, I, I, I feel like the sport the last few years has, it, college football has always been a sport where there's a pretty defined top class and then everybody else. Um, but I'm not comfortable going with anybody outside of that top class this year. Um, there are a few teams that, that have been trendy picks. Um, I've heard some people kind of you know, suggest that maybe like a team like Utah could go undefeated. That'd be fun as hell. I, I hope it happens, but, uh, seems like a lot to me to ask, um, and I think that's based around Utah having a largely based around them having a great running back uh, in Zach Moss, and I'm always skeptical of that because running backs can rise and fall quickly. Um, so I'd say the usuals. Now, as far as pretenders, who are you thinking? <sighs> You're going to get me in trouble, but you know, Michigan, I, I guess. Do it. Sure. We'll say, I don't, the thing is, I don't know if Michigan's pretending. I think that people might be pretending about Michigan. Okay. There um, you and go. it's possible that I'm wrong and that Michigan goes ahead and does it. Um, but it's just hard to me until, um, you know, until we actually see them do it. Uh, other teams that people think seem to think are going to be really good that I don't think are going to be great. Um, I guess if I say Auburn, I have a 50 50 chance of being correct because you never know if, I mean, that could be. 15 and 0 national champions, or they could be seven and five. I have no idea. Um, so I guess if I pick Auburn, which, you know, I think they, I forget where they slotted in the coaches poll, but I think people expect a bit out of them this year. Um, then I have a 50% chance of being right and a 50% chance that people might not remember I said it. Uh, I'm a little skeptical, um, as I'd mentioned, of Utah, but that's again not really a product of anything they've done. I think that's just a product of. Uh, a lot of people thinking that the Pac-12 North, uh, they're not able to decide who's going to win that. So Utah's getting Pac-12 title preseason picks, even though I don't know if they're better than Washington or Oregon or Stanford. Um, and the rest will reveal itself. Yeah. Well, we have some rapid-fire questions for you. Are you ready? Absolutely. Anytime. Okay. Who is your favorite Oklahoman? of all time, who you know to be Oklahoman. This is going to be a test on Oklahoma's yeah. image right here. Mm-hmm. So you guys ask this of a lot of people who come on the podcast? I don't think we ever have. Yeah. I think well, we might person. for like a Big 12 person yeah. or something yeah. like that, who is more familiar with Oklahomans, I guess. Well, if I if I just say Reba McIntyre. Oh, yeah, that, there you go. I mean, Reba, who doesn't love Reba? I used to um, watch her. I used to watch go. her show, man. Right. I mean, just extremely, extremely great. Um, a big fan of Reba's, as as are we all, I would hope. Um, she was the I race guess, car driver in The Little Rascals as well, no, if right, I recall was, correctly. She graduated from Southeastern Oklahoma State. That's true, yeah. Durant. Oh, that's in Durant? Okay. Mm-hmm. I did not know that, but uh, yeah. 
definitely from Oklahoma was, and film legend in Little Rascals, obviously. Yeah, tremendous. I was going to say, I actually think one of my favorite pieces of pop culture about Oklahoma, I just remember it as a very, very long but good book that I read in high school, was Grapes of Wrath. Oh, that's was set, Steinbeck. That's a bad image of Oklahoma. Not, not good. The thing is, and Steinbeck's not an Oklahoman. No, um, it definitely not. I remember not. looking back. Not no clue, but I remember I want I I thought about this um, because well I guess this would be disclosing to you to the listeners that I got a tip that you might ask me who my favorite Oklahoma was and maybe I shouldn't say that on the podcast but then I thought yeah you know the the folks uh, that are actually you know the guy who actually wrote that book isn't from Oklahoma uh, which maybe explains why you know you think it's a bad image of Oklahoma maybe you need a local to do it um, I remember when I was a kid enjoying that book and but I couldn't think of any like really defining characters because it kind of followed a whole family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. I like Garth Brooks a lot. I'm a big Garth fan. I was talking to some Garth today, actually. Garth's okay. He He's sort yeah. of like indirectly responsible for like the current pop country trend, but that's a different yeah. rant for yeah. a different time. I but, mean, uh, I don't even like country music, but all of a sudden Garth. Yeah. I know. What, I if, do... I, what if I threw a curveball and said like Janie Triplehorn? She's on Criminal Minds. Ooh. She's from Oklahoma. Did not know that. Didn't know that. Brad Pitt. Could I? Could Brad I point Barry? Brad. Oh, right, right. Could I point Barry Sanders as an honorary Oklahoman? You can if you'd like to. No, that's fine. Yeah, we. I, I think every see every Oklahoman is okay. Every OU fan is okay with Barry Sanders because he never beat OU. So there's no hard feelings right. or anything like that. Right. So we're fine with and him. How, and how can you not? I think everybody likes Barry Sanders because he was amazing and he never played for teams that beat anybody. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. so what what could possibly be your problem, you know, with him? Uh, I don't know. He's a good guy. Completely agree. I mean, he's about as fun as anyone to watch ever. But switching to an entirely different... Wait, actually, hold on just a second. Kamiar, who's your favorite Oklahoman of all time? Oh, man. You're going to ask me who my favorite Oklahoman... My favorite Oklahoman of all time. Give me, give me Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe. Okay. How about that, Jim Thorpe. Not bad. One of the best athletes of all time. And see, Alex, you're from Pennsylvania, right? So you sort of half claim him as well. Yes, um, I would say. Well, that's not really fair because I'm from Pittsburgh. So I tell I tell people that I'm from Pittsburgh, where I've never really spent too much time in Pennsylvania. Um, but Jim Thorpe is from Pennsylvania, you know, spent time at least at Carlisle in Pennsylvania. Um, so, yeah, I suppose that Pittsburgh could claim him, despite Pittsburgh and Philly's vast differences with the rest of Pennsylvania. So there's a – yeah, I mean, obviously there's a gigantic cultural difference there. I didn't take that into account, obviously. It's more like East Coasty, I guess, over in Philadelphia or whatever in the rest of the state. But anyway, I'm going to go with – I'm going with Leon Russell, actually, because people don't realize how influential he was in the late 60s, early 70s music scene. He played uh, the keys in George Harrison's concert for Bangladesh, which is one of the most famous concerts ever, Hmm. and one of the most famous concert films ever. And he was like a session musician with so many big artists at the time and did all sorts of stuff. And he was wild as hell, so... He basically corrupted so many musicians during that time and uh, did all sorts of cool stuff. I'm a big fan of Leon Russell. But anyway, who would win a fight between SB Nation's Matt Brown, our Matt Brown, 
and the Athletics Matt Brown? It's a good question. That's a very good question. You know, Matt Brown, SB Nation Matt Brown, is truly one of the best people that I know. He's he's a great, great guy. Um, but he's not violent. He's not a fighter. He's a lover, not a fighter. Um, I, I only know the athletics Matt Brown from Twitter. He also seems like a very nice person. But I think I have to... And I'm only doing this as a, out of a compliment to his kind of nonviolent uh, resistance. But I, I can't. I'm, I'm not picking our Matt Brown to win in a fight because he's not fighting. So I, I would say that if it comes to it, I'm taking the Athletics Matt Brown. But I also don't know if anyone could actually want to fight our Matt Brown because he's he's too good a guy. That's, That's not me being a company show. He's he's a great guy. One thing that would go in our Matt Brown's favor, I would think, is now. He's a father of two, and dad strength is a real thing, wouldn't you say? It's a great point. And actually, our Matt Brown is doing uh, a lot of woodworking <laughs> of late, and that's been that's been a hobby that he's taken up. I've seen um, that on and Twitter. I think yeah, that, that that only amplifies. And, and by the way, anyone can have dad strength. You don't actually have to be a dad. I think that you just have to kind of have that vibe about you. Um, he certainly has developed that strength. So you're right. He he really he could. If it comes to it, I don't know. I don't know what he's capable of. Is he starting to wear plaid? Can you confirm that? Now that he's doing you know, woodworking? I, I need to text him. I don't think I've seen I don't know <laughs> if I've seen him in plaid. His calluses I on his like hands. I feel like he, he's probably got some plaid. He's probably okay. got some plaid. If, well, he's listen, if he's listening to this, Matt, I think you I think you could do plaid. He's not listening to this. Um, <laughs> yeah, he could pull off plaid. I think he could do it. But, um, Kamiro, what you got? What's your projection for the Maryland Terrapins record this season of football? Mm, give me, give me five and seven. Um, happy if it gets to six and six, but give me five and seven. Are you upset in any and, way and that if, if, they couldn't pull Jalen Hurts? Um, you know, I like Jalen Hurts too much um, to subject him to what what our school probably would have done to him. A lot of questions on the offensive line, and by law, every Maryland starting quarterback sustains some kind of serious malady at some point in the year. Mm. And Jalen Hurts just doesn't seem like he deserves that. He seems like really, you know, nobody deserves that, but especially not Jalen Hurts. So I, I, I can't say that I would have chosen differently if I had the choice to to be Oklahoma's quarterback instead of Maryland's quarterback. Well, we're going to transition to a little bit of food right here. So what, what's the best hot wing flavor, and do you prefer the drums or flats? Mm, interesting question. Um, I'm a straight buffalo guy. Uh, I like drums a lot, but buffalo is kind of – I'm not as adventurous as I should be. I mean, frankly, I get garlic parm uh, most of the time, uh, which is <laughs> It's solid. Kind of, it's solid. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about airing that publicly. <laughs> But, you know, buffalo, you can't go wrong with buffalo. And it's also, I mean, it's additionally, it's great on a sandwich. I know it's not a wing. Um, but it's great in a wing or a sandwich. I think it's one of the most versatile sauces. So, big buffalo guy. All right. What about your go-to drink? And So, you're a, you're a Steelers fan, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, what's your go-to drink while watching the Steelers, especially during all this Antonio Brown stuff? Uh, great question. Um... I think my, you know, my beer choices are, are not that exciting, but I would say that um, 
I think that gin and tonic season right now, uh, it, it is gin and tonic season. Uh, gin and tonic season usually runs from January through about December. Uh, <laughs> and, and I really, you know, have, I think I've taken to that as a really nice football drink when, when I get the chance, uh, because you can sip for a while. Uh, it's not, you know, if you're, if you're having, if you're pouring it with the right ratio, it's not going to shock you. Um, but you can, you can really kind of have that for like a whole half or so. Um, and it'll go down pretty easy. So I think, you know, it's an underrated football drink. I mm-hmm. think that more people with football are probably doing beer or maybe a whiskey of some kind. Um, like I don't, I, I don't feel like gin is really a huge tailgate hit. Um, but maybe we should change that. I think so too. Uh, are you a Tangeray guy or do you go cheaper? You know, it's funny. I'm actually on a family vacation, uh, this week. Uh, and there's been some Tangeray in the house and it's good. Uh, it's, it's better. I mean, there's a noticeable difference. I have been for years, uh, going very cheap, just getting Seagram's dry. Um, I've recently upped that, you know, to kind of a mix of new Amsterdam and, uh, one of the London dries. I forget the brand. Uh, it might be beef eater. Oh, Um, there you go. I think it's beef eater is what it's, I've gotten that two or three times. Um, so yeah, at some point you got to grow up, you know, I'm, I'm going into the latter half of my twenties and, and, um, you're making me feel very old. (laughs) Well, it's, it's just, you can't be a child, uh, forever. Agreed. your, Your gin purchases. So, so I've been trying to make some strides, but it's, it's a process. So where are you on family vacation right now? Yeah. I'm actually uh, in Avalon, New Jersey. Um, in, I'm not uh, familiar. The, it, it's a state, you know, and anytime you go to New Jersey, you can kind of see the Rutgers pride um, everywhere you go. So I'm in Rutgers territory right now. Uh, you, can't, you can't go outside without seeing those scarlet red flags uh, just a-waving everywhere from here to New York City, really. <laughs> there are actual Rutgers fans? He's messing around. But uh, are there Rutgers fans? I mean, do you, I mean, are is it actually like I know you're joking around, but is there? I mean, I'm not from the Northeast, yeah. so are there a no, lot of them? I don't no, know. I th- honestly, I think most of the Rutgers fans that I've met. Uh, so at Maryland, I had several different roommates who were from Jersey. Um, and anytime you ask someone who introduces themselves as from Jersey, and you're like, "So where are you from?" They always just say Central Jersey. Um, even though that's, it's not entirely clear to me that that's a thing, but that's what they say. Um, and anytime that their friends would come up to college to visit in Maryland, um, I guess they'd be coming down to visit in Maryland. Um, they would oftentimes be Rutgers students. Hmm. Um, and a buddy of mine from Pittsburgh lived near Piscataway for a few years. So Rutgers absolutely has a fan base. Uh, and, and I feel for them because they've been through a lot. Um, uh, I, I have to acknowledge that there aren't many of them in any particular place. I don't feel like, but um, yeah, they're trying. I, and I'm a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, so I, I get it. I understand that it's a tough, a tough existence. Okay, so let's see. Which of these two things was more improbable, in your opinion? Maryland beating Texas twice with them being coached by Tom Herman. Or Kansas beating Texas once while being coached by Charlie Strong? Well, at Maryland, we expect to be programs like Texas. Um, <laughs> so so I would have to say Kansas beating Texas is more surprising. Um, though, again, I give, credit, I give credit to Texas for 
showing up in 2018 uh, when Maryland had an interim head coach um, and was off a horrible offseason um, of administrative scandal uh, where the players had been, you know, subjected to unimaginable loss of a teammate. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I'll turn serious for one second. Maryland played a great game that day, um, a really great game, but it was still, you know, given Texas's talent, kind of embarrassing for Texas that they let that happen two years in a row mm-hmm. um, and made so many mistakes. So I, I was, uh, you know, I guess, I guess because I, because we shouldn't joke about, I shouldn't joke so much about that. I would say that Maryland doing it twice is probably a little bit more surprising. Um, they're given the state that Kansas was in 2016. Uh, I, you can't go wrong either way. I think it's fair. I mean, so if you could bring one rivalry, because with conference realignment, with the Big 12, ACC, Big East, yada yada, all shifting around, a lot of rivalries have gone away, kind of died. So if you could bring one back to life on a regular basis, which one would you choose? And then also, if you could just create one new rivalry, which one would you create? Great question. Um, if I could bring back one, well, I'm not, I would say Pitt, West Virginia, but that's coming back in a few years anyway. Um <laughs> I think that letting Texas and and A&M play again would be nice just to kind of relieve some, some tension there. Um, kind of feels like that, that couple has been fighting for a while and, um, it would just be nice if they could, um, kind of go get it worked out and counseling or whatever. And then, um, just play, um, because they're very similar to one another. Um, and you know, I just think it would be good for them to kind of be able to collaborate once again. Uh, and if I were creating a rivalry, you know, I think it's about time that um, Alabama stopped ducking UCF. And I know they scheduled them like 10 years out, but that's not soon enough. You know, you've got to, I think, clear some space, find a way to get them on the schedule in 2020 and every year thereafter. Hell yeah. Kamiar, what's your new rivalry? Oh, man, my new rivalry. Let's go. Oh, that's that's an interesting one. Because, like, I don't want to take... How about this? You give me... Give me Arkansas. Give me Woo Pig Suey. And just for the hell of it, give me Illinois. Why Illinois? It's because I hate Illinois. Why do you hate Illinois? Because they have an S at the end of their name that you don't even pronounce. There you go. It's Same both of those. See, there you go. S's that aren't pronounced. The there no S cup. There you go. The no shit cup. There you go. Anyway, I'm going to go Oklahoma and Arkansas because there's a lot of uh, sexual tension there of just two schools that don't play each other, <laughs> that really don't like, that they... Similar color they're, they're, schemes. They're right next to each other. They're constantly interacting with each other. They're constantly bickering. Yeah. They're never able to take that energy out on each other constructively. So that just needs to happen. But they'll never play each other. They played in the 2001 Cotton Bowl. Bowl, And it was a 10-3 game. And it was like 30 degrees in Dallas at like Mm -hmm. the old Cotton Bowl Stadium. Mm -hmm. With a fair that wasn't even going on at the time. Which if you've been in the State Fair of Texas when it's not going on, it's fucking creepy. It's dead. But, like, uh, that's a weird deal. But anyway, 
Yeah, that would be the one, I would say. I mean, I think a lot of OU fans would enjoy that. Arkansas fans would Similar enjoy Similar color it. schemes. Similar color schemes. Just, one fan base just has less Two states that both teeth. think the other state is really trashy. Yep. But they're both really trashy in reality. But that's, like, that's uh, pretty true. Have you ever been to Ponca City? Ponca City? Oh, God. Horrible. Yeah. But like, uh, <laughs> I'm guessing Alex has not been to Ponca City. But anyway. <laughs> no, one, I don't get there, though. <laughs> you do not need to get there. Um, how thankful are you, as a Maryland person, that the 2002 Maryland Terrapins, who won the national championship in basketball, didn't have to have a rematch against Kelvin Sampson's Oklahoma Sooners, who stomped the Terps in December of that year? You know, I'm grateful for the sake of, of like, every older Maryland fan who was with this program back then because in a way that I think is really unique um, even for fan bases that win championships in college sports Maryland fans the notion of of not having that national championship um, is like too much to bear it would be like the death of of a child Um, so if we can avoid chancing it I mean, seriously, like there are people who will dine forever on the fact that Maryland won the 2002 national championship. Um, this was before I was a Maryland fan, before I had gone there. Um, but who it's like they would they would spend life and limb before they would give up um, any chance of that title going away. Um, so I think that given even the you know however minute the possibility uh, would have been that that they'd have had to run into Oklahoma, which beat them pretty good. Um, as I look back at it, they beat them by, uh, I think, 16 points, um, you know, probably for the best, because I think that there'd be a lot of people kind of going into downward spirals if Maryland had not, you know, had not had that. And if you told, especially if you told them now that you're taking away from them, just not be, not be good at all. Well, that seems pretty dire. I think we'll yeah. let you all have that. So there yeah, you go. Kami, are you got anything else? Man, that, that's off. That's it for me. I think that's it for me, too. Thanks for coming here, Alex. Absolutely, guys. Pleasure. And where can people uh, find you on Twitter? Uh, If you really want to, though I don't know that I would recommend it, uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Alex underscore Kirshner. That's K-I-R-S-H-N-E-R. And you definitely should follow us at Banner Society, uh, the the whole website account. And, of course, keep following CC Machine and, and keeping up with all the great stuff that you guys are doing. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on. A pleasure. Yeah, talk to you guys soon. All right, so let's go into some Twitter questions. We had some, and one of them from our very own Seth. He says, Assuming health isn't an issue, who makes a bigger impact this season? Braden Willis or a Jalen Redmond? If if health isn't an issue, Jalen Redmond's the best player on the defense. Probably here, Ronnie Perkins, wouldn't you say? I would say, oh man, that's so difficult to say. I would say he's one of the best players. I would say he has one of the best opportunities to make plays. To me, honestly, you might even I might even, I might even say Trey Brown is the best player on the defense right now. Definitely a playmaker. Definitely a gamer. Uh, but I think big game experience. I think that, that is an. I think that's a easy question to answer. Very easy. Come on, Seth. Uh, Although, granted, both of them are projected starters at their position, so both will make a very big impact. So Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, the next question is from at SoonerRF. <laughs> Sooner 
Oof. Sooner. QB depth chart. We kind of talked about that earlier. Yeah, I mean, right? like it, it's sort of. It's not necessarily concrete in that, like, in the progression of a game, if it's like a blowout, it's going. Hurts Mordecai, Rattler, most likely. Mm-hmm, but the unofficial. But if something truly big happens to Hurts, if it's more than a few plays, Rattler would be the second guy. The out, unofficial so. official depth chart for the QB situation. Definitely. I agree with that. This next one's from Clam Digger 1414 Don't know where he got that name, but I'm, I think it's, think it's great. <laughs> it says, is Levi Draper going to see some significant playing time this year? If not, will he ever really play at OU, or do you see him transferring at the end of the season? Well, it depends on how you would define significant. Yeah. Because he and Brian Mead, the projected backups of the two mm-hmm. inside linebacker positions. Mm-hmm. So he's going to see the field. He will see the field. And with his new body, you know, he's up to like 245, mm-hmm. right? He's big. He's he's pretty big. He, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him out on the field. He definitely has the tools to show out, it seems yeah. like, at this point. And Brian Mead has been sidelined a little bit lately. And so has Kenneth Murray with some lingering stuff. And so he's been seeing a lot of time in practice, and that's been only solidifying his opportunity to go play in some games. He's going to play, I would say, in at least 10 games, and he'll get significant snaps in at least, at least eight, or eight or nine of those games. Um yeah, he's gonna play. I don't see him transferring. He's he'll he'll be fine. They Ella, Alex Grinch, but more more so Brian Odom really like him, who's also another Oklahoma product. Ada Cougars, uh, the OU champs says. I thought that was interesting. Would you rather have a linebacker that was six six or five ten? And me and Jack talked about this. Which linebacker position are yeah, we talking about? Inside if, you're, or if you're if you're a rush linebacker, six six and all the length and all that stuff, go for it. Mm-hmm. Inside linebacker, five ten's fine with me. Yeah, five ten. But at the same time, I don't know. Like, Tay Evans was like six four. Yeah, he was an inside linebacker. I mean, it just depends because there are so many different body types. But I'm 100% of the time taking a 6'6 linebacker as an outside linebacker. And, I mean, in the Big 12, if your middle linebacker or inside linebacker is 5'10", you're probably not too concerned. But if you're, like, in the Big 10, the SEC, you're probably going to want that 6'6 guy, right? Well, of course. Yeah, definitely. So it just really depends. And I just got a question right now. It says, it's from SCO. Football related. What's going on with Texas recruiting? They've had a bit of a hot streak lately. They do that from yeah. time to time. It's Texas. They have money and they have the most resources of anybody available. It also they have a head coach who blows smoke up people's asses. I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Right now, it's working. That's true. That's true. Uh, non-football related. If a zombie plague were to start right now, where would you hold up? And how long would you survive? Why are people so fascinated with zombies? Yeah, it's interesting. I've, I've never understood that. I don't know. Whatever. But where would you hold up? Hmm. Probably family's lake house up in Canada, because hardly anyone lives up there in this particular region. Would you survive? They could. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. I grew up in Edmond. I'm not equipped for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Man, I'm screwed. That's that's a good question. I think I would go hold up in uh let's say oh man. 
take me some backwoods place in like Montana where they sell guns and shotgun shells at Walmart. Montana's beautiful. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to hang out in their plateaus and regions that really nobody stays. And I'm just going to live, live off the land for a bit. And then, go live with Red Dirt Sport. Yeah, I'm going to go live with Red Dirt Sport. He's a pretty he good guy. He lives in Butte. And that's like actually not that populated, but still fairly populated. Like probably 50,000, something yeah. like that. Too big for zombie apocalypse. You want to go further out. Yeah. And man, if me and if me and Red Dirt Sport, I mean, we could, we could make a very formidable t- team for zombies and surviving that. But I don't think I would live without the help of somebody else. If it was just me, I am screwed. 100%. Completely agree. All right. Same here. It is time for two to three hot takes. Anything NCAA football is yours. I'll go first. Texas is going to win eight games this year. That's that's pretty... That's not too bold. Well, depending upon who you are, the national well, yeah. media would call me crazy. I mean, I would say nine and three's the pretty reasonable range there. All right, here's another hot take. Okay. Oregon is going to be in the college football playoff. I like that one, actually. Oh, okay. So you're a fan of this hot take? Kind of, yeah. I mean, Oregon or Washington, I think this is the year that Pac-12 school gets in. It's been since, what was it, 2014 when Oregon got in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the last time. The one, only time. One last hot take. Neither Clemson or a team from the SEC wins the national title this year. Well, I hope you're right. I also hope I'm right. Who do you think it is? Don't know. <laughs> Oregon, maybe. Eh, or I mean, Washington. Hell, if, I mean, if OU gets their shit together defensively, that wouldn't be too bad of a pick, honestly. It wouldn't. Wouldn't got anything? Ooh, see, I'm not, I'm really not high on the Nebraska chain or on the Nebraska train, rather. Mm -hmm. Some people seem to be. Having said that, their division is so, I guess, bottom heavy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess you would say, but like, uh, I think they could win the Big Ten West. I think I, I, I'll I'll go with Nebraska winning the Big Ten West, just because they have a decent quarterback. It's a pretty hot take, honestly. Not that hot, just because that side of the conference isn't very good. Yeah. Oh man. By the way, correction: Washington made the college football toy playoff in 2016. Yeah, so they got killed. I forgot about them. They're, that wasn't very memorable. Yeah, they 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 were killed. It was bad. The score itself wasn't that bad. It was like twenty-one to seven or something like that. But they were never in it. No, not never. Man, oh, we didn't even talk about Tate Martell. Ooh, Tater Tot. Good old Tathan. I hated him at on the QB one show, and he went to Ohio State, and I was just rooting for him to fail. Speaking of the QB one show, which is coming out here in a few days. Yeah. Uh, Rattler's supposed to be on it. He's going to be on it, and you're going to see some stuff. He's scheduled to be on it. How much are they going to show? How much are they going to divulge? I would would imagine that some of it's still kept hush-hush. They're going to show a lot, divulge not a lot. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to be like, oh, he was booted from whatever. School rules. 
Yeah. That's all you're going to hear. I bet they won't go into it. They will not. <laughs> There's some rumors, but I'm not going to talk about it on we'll the podcast. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it's nothing too concerning. That's, so. a, that's a thing for another day, but not actually for another day. But uh, I, I, I'm i dedicating this this segment called This One's For The Haters Just For Jack. I'm dedicating it to you for you to speak on behalf of it. it. W- see, it wasn't a big deal. Like, I mean, we had like two uh, Apple reviews who gave us one star out of five simply because we were using a little bit of profanity. On which an explicit podcast where it's exactly as one that is labeled lyrics. as explicit. Not only is it labeled as such, if you're looking at this on your desktop, which I would guess people who leave negative reviews on podcasts are probably looking at it on their desktop, but it literally has the same logo that you saw on CDs back in the 90s when you mm-hmm. were a kid. Parental tip, advisory. Tipper ex- Gore out there. Yeah, parental advisory explicit content. That same logo mm-hmm. is on that. I mean, if you were to buy... Let's go. Let's, let's travel back to the '90s. This is an outdated yeah. topic. If you're going to Randy's M and M's in Edmond, I don't know if you remember that. Mm-mm. If you grew up in Edmond, big deal. But anyway, if you buy your kid a CD that has the parental advisory on it, and you discover, even though you weren't paying attention, Profane. that there was profanity on that album, would you take it back? To the store and expect a refund? I don't think you would. Not and reasonably. Then, and then maybe trash the store for selling such a CD with bad with bad words in it. Hmm. It's the reason for the collapse of society. These youth, man. Anyway, iTunes <laughs> took down both of these reviews, restored us to five stars. Oh, God bless. All is right in the world. Yes, yeah, very nice. Just a reminder that if you have an issue with the profanity... Don't listen, but nothing you do or complain about is going to change anything. Just know that. So, Yeah, I mean... Because, I mean, the reviews went away. Just We're back to five stars. Look, just look at it. Look at the podcast. It says this, do, and it says, hey, this podcast has this. Do not complain about specifically this with a label that has this on it so any complaint involving profanity is invalid in the eyes of apple so dumb but hey it is what it is man but it's tuesday tomorrow's wednesday we're heading it's halfway through the week it's gonna be wednesday when they hear this what what are your what are your plans for the subsequent weekend i mean it's one it's one week weekend closer to college football i've spent the essentially the past three weeks vacationing Mm. so I'm looking forward to not doing much this weekend. Same. chilling. I'm just going to chill out. I'm going to hang out. Then, obviously, ramping up for football season. We've got some stuff down the pipe. Mm Mm-hmm. I haven't been publishing as much of of my own work recently, and that's about to change. So, Mm. some hot take articles. Not really hot takes. I'm doing like a... Every year, I do like a bold predictions thing Mm -hmm. for OU football. Yeah. A lot of them were correct last year. We'll do a bold predictions podcast. Yeah, let's do it. That'd be good times. One that goes a little deeper than what we were talking about. Here, Maybe so. even next week because the following week. Are we going to try to have Brady Trantham on next week? Oh, man, Brady. I love Brady. Your buddy. He's my man crush. I love Brady. He's a good dude. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Maybe. We'll see. I'm sure he's down. 
We wait. You haven't asked him yet. I've asked him. Okay. He okay. says when and where. I love. Oh that guy. well, there you go. Good for you. We follow each other on Instagram. I like his posts. Oh yeah, fancy. <laughs> Man, do you have anything else? No, I'm good. But hey, guys, follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. It's a great website. There's a lot of interesting stuff on there all the time. I love it when Seth throws shade at everybody else in the hot links. It's the best. Yeah, it's, it's good, good times. stuff. Very lighthearted too. Oh, it's very lighthearted. He, he's a perfect like contrast to my cynicism. Mm-hmm. His sarcasm and, and Alan's like analytical yeah. side. So Seth's sarcasm perfect gives balance. me life. It's good. It's good stuff. But follow us on Twitter, Jack. You can follow. You can follow Jack in a couple spots. You can follow the more humorous sports bloggy tweets at at CC Machine, or if you just want to follow him talking about uh, oh, what was the drink? The Malort. The Malort. If you want to follow that, follow, oh, go, to, go to at J Larry Shields. I'm on at K Marabian CCM. And you can follow Alan Kenny at Blatant Homerism. He's going to be dropping a podcast pretty soon. And well, that's about it. Thanks, guys. <laughs>